Now, all eyes are on the COP28 conference kicking off in Dubai tomorrow. The 13-day summit will be taking place as the world looks to dump fossil fuels for greener alternatives. Joining me now for more detail on the expectations ahead of the conference is Nigel Beck, Head of Sustainable Finance and ESG Advisory at RMB. Thank you so much for your time, Nigel. Now, let's actually start off with what has led us here. Has there been a significant action from the previous summits that is confident in using that this one will actually make a difference or has it just been talking a shop <laughs> or a talking shop rather <laughs> it, it's a good question and I, and I think um, when you talk about talking shop the fact that we've had 28 cops I guess would assume that there, there's been a lot of talking shop yeah um, I think we have seen a lot more progress over the last few years I think specifically since kind of the, the Paris Climate Accord in 2015, there's been a lot more focus on kind of climate finance, climate action, um, and, and a, a lot more kind of uh, senior dignitaries from countries as well as business leaders attending COPs. So there's been that. Mm. Over the last two years, there's been quite a few commitments that have been made. There's been a lot more focus on, for example, adaptation and kind of a loss and damage fund, and perhaps we can, we can yes. touch on that later. Um, and there's been a lot more focus on essentially how do you mobilize uh, climate finance to developing countries. So I think there's progress being made, albeit perhaps a little bit slow. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as you were talking about the loss and damage fund, let's actually talk about the sticking point that uh, the sticking points that urgently need to be addressed at the summit, maybe that were hanging from the previous summit, particularly around climate finance. Yes, yeah, so if we start off kind of with, with the loss and damage fund, you know, that was established um, coming out of COP27, so, so last year's COP. Essentially, it was to provide financial assistance to vulnerable and impacted countries. So, in, in other words, countries that are impacted by, by climate change um, in, you know, in, in true fashion uh, with these type of um, these type of funds, you know, you establish a committee. The committee was, you know, had membership from both developed and developing countries, um, and there were pledges made of around $230 million. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, there's been a bit of progress, but not the progress we would like to have seen. So since the last meeting that they had in October, there's been a lot of debate about, you know, who's going to pay that $230 million? You know, who will oversee the funds and who, which, which are the essentially eligible countries? Um, for the for the proceeds of these funds, so it's it's stalled a bit, but I think what we're going to see, and we're going to probably see a lot more focus on that at COP. So there'll be a lot of development to say, well, how do we close that loss and damage fund out, and how do we turn it into something that we can actually practically implement? Yeah. What is interesting about the summit, Nigel, is that it is taking place in Dubai, and that's in the UAE, which is part of oil-producing OPEC. What is this message sending here? Are we going into the lion's den uh, to be eaten, or are we grabbing the bull by the horns to maybe make a difference from from where the, the core problems are? So, I mean, I think there's been a lot of debate about, you know, hosting it in Dubai. Um, generally, the host country rotates. So, you know, all the all the signatories would agree on, you know, who's going to host it next. And obviously, in this instance, it was agreed on Dubai. Mm. I, I think, you know, you can have some that view it on the, in the negative light, some view it in the positive light. I mean, I think it's an opportunity to obviously bring those conversations around kind of fossil fuels to the table. You're going to have um, those large oil producers that are obviously going to be in attendance and there's going to be an ability to actually engage with them around transition. In other words, what's what's how do we transition the fossil fuel sector globally? You know, how can the financial industry support that through kind of climate finance and the like and transition finance? So I, I don't see it as a particular problem. 
um, I think it actually brings uh, probably one of the key stakeholders to the transition to, to the conversation. Well, of course, we want to know about our own continent. So what is Africa's role at COP28 and particularly on the back of the Nairobi Declaration? So I think you know, if, if you look at what's what's going to take place at, at, at this COP, so this is the COP, there's going to be essentially what we call a global stock take. So it's going to be the first time since the Paris Climate Accord in 2015, when each of the countries came with their nationally determined contributions. So that's exactly, you know, essentially what they're going to contribute um, from, a, from, a, from a carbon emission perspective towards this kind of global carbon budget. If you add all of those together, they need to kind of essentially meet about a, a, a two degree Celsius, ideally a 1.5 degree Celsius target. Mm. Um, the focus is on, you know, are we meeting those specific targets? And I think there's going to be a push to be more kind of ambitious. What's interesting, as you mentioned, is kind of this Nairobi declaration. I'm particularly excited by that because for the first time, what we're starting to see is Africa looking at the opportunity. So it's essentially, it's a call to African action. You know, we've all heard the narrative around Africa's going to kind of shoulder this disproportionate burden of kind yeah. of climate impacts, you know, the, the weather patterns, the floods, the droughts. But I think this is the first time that we're talking about opportunity and, and ambition for us to be part of the global solution to climate change. You know, we've got a, a young workforce, we've got untapped renewable energy, we've got very, very large natural assets that a lot of the developed world doesn't have, as well as kind of this entrepreneurial spirit. So for me, the declaration of this Nairobi declaration is, is seeing a drive towards kind of climate positive investment. So we're starting to say, well, in Africa, there's actually an ability for us to use this as a catalyst for growth. You know, how can we strengthen African collaboration in the climate positive investment space? You know, how do we advance green in industrial zones? You know, how do we drive sustainable agriculture so that we can actually be a hub and take advantage of, for example, the climate finance that's going to be directed from developed countries to developing countries, including Africa. Yeah, yeah, really uh, appreciate also that note that you gave us there that we could use this as a catalyst for growth, growth that is needed a lot on the continent. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your insights today, Nigel, really appreciate it. Uh, that was Nigel Beck, Head of Sustainable Finance and ESG Advisory at RMB.